Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul as a television evangelist? Now, television evangelists are a mixed bunch, aren't they? You know, there's some out there who are really you know, good, faithful, preach the word, you know, and they may ask you to support their ministry because they really want to be faithful to God and get the word out. But then there's the stereotypical preacher, right? You need to send $1,000 in today because God will make you rich. And me too. Oh, they, they leave that last part off, right? But can you imagine the Apostle Paul as a, a television evangelist saying, listen, don't you dare send any money in unless you know for dead fact that God himself has moved you to do it and you are happy about doing it. And if that isn't the case, don't send it. That'd be a God thing, wouldn't it? For that to work. Well, we're talking about generosity, things that the Apostle Paul has to say about generosity. Uh, and so that means at some level we end up talking about money because the situation Paul is talking about is talking about money. But generosity, as we will remind ourselves today, is much bigger than just money, but it does include money. And so the situation, if you remember, is that in uh, the gospel had gone out from Jerusalem. You know, Paul had uh, been saved, and he and Barnabas end up in uh, Antioch, and then from there they're going missionary journeys around the world, and, and now there are pockets of Christians uh, across parts of Europe and much of Asia. And what has happened in Back in Israel, where the gospel originally came from, is there have been a famine, and so people were really hurting, Christians were hurting, and then on top of that, there was persecution. And when persecution comes, that oftentimes affects your ability to have the money that you need to, to take care of yourself. So what Paul was doing was between him and the people who worked with him and sending them to all the churches uh, that they had started and said, hey, here's this need in Jerusalem we want to collect an offering and we want to take it from all of you back to Israel to help the Christians who are there. And so he's talking to the Corinthians, the Corinthian believers who are down in the southern part of Greece, talking to them about, hey, you, you said you wanted to be a part of this, and that's good. now you need to actually do it. You actually need to be giving. And he's using churches from the northern part of Greece as an example to them, Macedonia. And, and saying, look, you, you remember Macedonia? Severe persecution there. Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea. Lots of hard persecution there. And they don't have much money to start with. He says, but I want to tell you what they've done and what God has enabled them to do. And really talk about how generous they were with their giving. All right? So that is uh, where we are going to pick up today. Last week, uh, we saw that... Um, the word, let's actually talk about what generous means. Generous means ready and willing to give freely more than is required. Money, time, heart, energy, resources, whatever is under your control that you are generous, you're willing to give that more than is required. Because if, if you have this sense of, well, you know, it's, it's kind of like if you join a club, I'm a member, I got to pay the dues, right? You aren't being generous because you're paying the dues, right? So the generosity is above what is required of you. 
And it's, it comes from a willing heart to do these things. So this is what we're talking about when we talk about generous. Doesn't just include money, but it definitely does include money. And so last week we saw this, the, the first principle, the principle of the first gift, that give yourself first, specifically to God. Give yourself first. And then you seek God about where do I go from here? Right? God, I am yours. Do with me as you please. And that means if I give God myself, he has everything else, doesn't he? About me. Okay? And so this is why we need to start giving ourselves to God first. And this idea of generous giving and giving ourselves to God and then the generosity that flows out of that. Paul, if you remember, talked about this idea of generous giving as being a, a grace. A grace of God. In other words, something that God empowers by grace. And it, it makes it clear that our giving and not just giving, but our generous giving to, to whatever it is God is leading us to give to, whether it's the church, to a person in need, to an organization, whatever that is, to the, you know, the person we're talking to at the moment. Uh, but the giving like this is just as much a part of the Christian life as reading your Bible is, as praying is, as worshiping is, as serving God in other ways. It's, just, it's intended for every Christian for this to be a part of their lives, all right? And we're going to see today uh, somehow that works. So uh, this idea of uh, it being a grace, it's a grace work of God. It's also, if you remember, it's not dependent on how much money you have or don't have. Remember, poverty can't prevent generosity. And having a lot of money doesn't make you be generous, okay? So it isn't like this. We see that uh, generous giving, in, excuse me, having, being a generous person inspires us to live generously. We are generous with our lives and all that includes. And then finally we saw that this idea of being a generous giver is a mark of eternal values. Because when we start to remember that for what it's worth, this life is going to be, actually in Proverbs it describes it. He asked, for what is your life? He said, it's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And I, I still see there are times, you can see it on the parking lot out here certain times of year after it rains or whatever. All of a sudden you see this, like, like, like um, it's not clouds, but you know what I mean? It's the, the mist, the vapor, and it, it shows up just above the pavement. It goes up and from here it's gone. It's only, only there for a little bit. And our lives in comparison to eternity are like that vapor. Just here for a little bit and gone. Even if you live 100 years in comparison to eternity, right? Well, life is very short. And so we understand that what we do in this life is going to matter forever. Okay? And so this, we understand that I, I need to be generous with my life, with all that God has entrusted to me, because I'm investing for eternity. All right? Okay, so let's take our Bibles now and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This be page 1331. And the Bible that's in the chairs there, if you don't have your own Bible with you today, we really encourage you to pick up one of those. It's going to be the very bottom right-hand corner of page 1,331 and goes to the next page. So in the beginning of the chapter, like I said, Paul had raised uh, this issue and um, the things we just talked about is what he says in the previous verses. Let's start in verse 8 now. He says, I speak not by commandment, 
but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. He sees the diligence of others being the Macedonians. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And he's obviously not talking about money there. He's talking about a different kind of riches, which we'll go back to in a little bit. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. So notice that when he had had contact with them a year earlier, they were saying, oh yes, we definitely want to be a part of this. So it's time to, to do it now. Verse 12. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. And then he goes back and he refers to something from uh, the book of Exodus, when God was miraculously providing for Israel in the wilderness through the food he provided called manna, and he says this, as it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Then in the next number of verses, he gets into more aspects of the practical nature of who's coming and, and, and that kind of stuff to pick up the gift. But let's go to verse 24. He says, therefore show to them, <clears throat> and before the churches, the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. Father, I ask you um, to keep the promises of your word that, that your spirit will take your word and will use it in our lives here today. I pray, Father, that you would uh, use your word to reveal to us what's going on in our hearts, what we're really thinking, what our real intentions are. And if they don't match yours, Lord, I pray that we would already say yes to you, that we're going to change that. By your grace, by your help, we will change that. And if we're already matching and aligning, Lord, I pray that you'll strengthen us in that. But speak to each of us here today, Lord, what we need to hear as we consider your word together. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's look here in verse 8 again. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. In verse 24, therefore show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. So Paul here, I think we see this truth, and that's that generous giving is a generous act of love. When you give generously, it's an act of love. And I would say to you that if it's not motivated by love, it isn't generous. Okay? So it's a genuine act of love. Now think about what Jesus said about this. You know, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible. Anybody notice that besides me? A whole bunch of stuff in the Bible, and you try to learn it, you try to understand it, and, you know, then you discover you missed something or you didn't get something. That's all well and good, but it, Jesus really helped us with this when the the religious leaders were out to get him and out to trick him and try to catch him in his words. And they said, okay, you know, Rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? Because they figured, you know, whatever he picks, we can argue something else, right? 
And so he answered, he says, well, the greatest commandment is this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love him with your whole being. And the second one is like it, right up there with it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on these two things, all of the commandments in the law can hang. You can hang all of them on this. Oh, wow, so I need to love. Well, think about this. Is, do you have any reason to love God today? Amen. You know, we love Him because He first loved us, John says. And this idea, of what has He done for us? How has He loved us? How has He shown those things to us? Uh, and so we have great reason to love God. And so if we love God, it makes sense for us to be generous with ourselves, with our lives, with all that we possess. Oh God, I am yours. You gave yourself for me. I'm giving myself back to you. Okay? But then there's the other one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Does anybody in here besides me like to eat? Would you like your neighbor to be able to eat? Right? So see if practical love means making sure my neighbor and Jesus, you know, gives some guidance on who's your neighbor elsewhere, but you need to care about your neighbor eating. Are you glad that someone brought you the gospel? Do you want your neighbors in our world to hear the gospel? Right? See, so love for our brothers and sisters, fellow humans, not just our brothers and sisters in Christ, but our fellow human beings, should motivate us to be generous with our lives and with all that God has entrusted to us. So generous giving is a genuine act of love. And so either one of those, I'm giving generously because I love God, or I'm giving generously because I, I love people, my neighbor. What about when you bring those two together? How powerful is that? Right? That's, that's powerful, powerful love. And so when we are being motivated by generosity and giving, it is a way for us to express our love. And that's what Paul says. Hey, you're, you're following through on this and really being generous shows the sincerity of your love. It proves that you really do love the way that you are saved. All right. Let's continue with the passage here. Verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. All right, so let's, let's think through this. So the Bible teaches us that the Son of God has always been with God the Father. Always, I mean, Forever, just like the Holy Spirit. There's, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. How many gods are there? One, right? Three distinct persons. Three distinct persons, but one God. Now, does anybody here have a little difficult time getting your head wrapped around how all that works? Okay, yeah, I think we do. Okay, but the Bible tells us that's the way it is. One God, and somehow he exists as three persons, but he's one God. Who exists as three distinct persons, but he's one God. Okay. But so the Son of God, eternally existent with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, becomes a human being, right? The, the man Jesus, he's born. And so now Jesus is uh, fully God and fully human brought together in this one person. So, but what it's telling us is that the Son of God left heaven and came to earth. Yeah, I think we're torn on this sometimes. I'm trying to think about this, but... Which is a better place? <laughs> Heaven or earth? Heaven. 
Heaven's a better place. Sometimes we cling to this one pretty tightly, though, don't we? Because we haven't been there, we haven't seen it. But the reality is, it's much better than here. Uh, you know, if you're thinking of wealth in any traditional sense, I don't know if that's an issue in heaven, but that's, it's way beyond here. Uh, there's no, no pain, suffering, no difficulties. Uh, the relationships, you know, between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, eternally loving and good and positive and encouraging. And, and uh, I mean, on and on it goes. We don't really comprehend what the Son of God left. Okay? We don't. And I will say to you that the Son of God will now forever be human. Forever. From now on. He's not going back to where he was before he, I mean, he's back there, but do you understand what I mean? He is now forever one of us, thankfully with no sin. But anyway, so somehow he gave up all of this that we can't even fathom to come here and be us. And why? So it says, so that we who are poor, we are spiritually poor, right? We are caught up in all the ravages of sin and the mess of that. And he came that we might then have heaven. And that we might have his life in us now. And all the things that frustrate people in life now, we can see beyond that, not be controlled by it, and on and on it goes. So he, he gave up that we might receive. And so here's another principle. Generous people give up something so that others can gain something. All right? That's what you're doing. Every time you are generous, you're giving up something. You may be giving up money. You may be giving up time. And it's not just the giving up money. It's you're giving up money that you might have been able to do something else with, right? You've made a choice. I'm giving this up. I'm, I'm giving up this time. You know, I like this time for myself. I'm giving up this time. I'm giving up this energy. I'm giving up my love. I'm giving whatever it is. I'm giving it up so that somebody else can have this good thing from God. And you know what's interesting is when you become a generous person, it no longer feels like you're really having to give up anything. Now that's thinking. In other words, when you first start giving, you think, oh man, I could have done this or that, or now I won't be able to do that. Once you get to the, this place of being a generous person, it just changes how you view these things. Do you think Jesus came to earth begrudgingly? Nah, I gotta go down there and save those people. I don't think so. And so see, it is his, this is an example of generosity to us, of us being willing to give up something so that somebody else can gain something. Uh, and so, you know, that's just really a powerful thing for us to understand. And so the idea is, it's, again, this goes back to giving up yourself, your whole being. That's what Jesus did for us. Now, before I go any farther, let me make sure, because I never know for sure who's here um, and what your need may be and those who are watching. Um, but let's talk about the reason Jesus came, what it was that he came for us to receive. That what he came for us to receive was forgiveness of sin and eternal life and a purposeful life here and now, right? Every one of us has sinned. That means every one of us have disobeyed God at some point in our lives. And if we're honest, we would say at multiple points in our lives. We've not done what God tells us to do. We've not, or we've done things God tells us not to do. We've 
We've done things we're supposed to do, but with a miserable attitude, which isn't right, not with the right motives. So we have messed up repeatedly, and that has separated us from God. Because God is sinless and holy, and we're separated from Him. And if we die in that condition, we will be separated from Him forever in a place called hell. But what we see here is that the Son of God was generous with us, wasn't He? He gave up heaven. He came to earth. He lives this perfect and sinless life because he's God who is sinless and holy. And he lives that as a human being. And as he dies on the cross, the Bible says that God took the penalty for all of my sins, which are many, and placed them on Jesus. And penalty for your sins and for the sins of the whole world. Everybody hearing this today, for your sins. He died paying the penalty for those sins and rose again from the dead. And here's the, where it is right now. This is where he left it. If you and I will acknowledge that we have, yes, we have sinned. We haven't lived the way God tells us to live. And we've been separated from him because of that. And we, we can see this and we'll believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. And that he did this for us, died for our sins. That by faith we can receive Jesus as Savior. We, we turn away from our own way of doing things. You know, we say, this is not working. I got to turn to the Lord. We believe and we receive Jesus as Savior. We accept his payment, right, on the cross for our sins. And the Bible's quite clear. When we come uh, sincerely before the Lord, we have a repentant heart. We, we know we haven't been going the right direction. We want to turn in the right direction. We come before God that way. He says that when that happens, the moment that happens, he forgives every sin you ever have or ever will commit. Now, don't worry about that. It's, oh, good, I can go do whatever I want. Now, I'm guaranteeing you, if you are sincere in what I'm talking about, you won't be saying that. He died paying for every sin. And when we receive him, every sin is forgiven. We receive eternal life. Now, the life of God himself, because God, that's the thing that God himself moves in. And he profoundly changes us deep down inside. The Bible talks about being born again. And then he goes to work on us from the inside out, helping us to grow and change in ways that are just so good and so positive. And so that's what this is about. But the demonstration here to us is that this is generosity, isn't it? It's giving up something so that others can gain something, whether it's just someone who needs a meal or whether it's someone who needs to hear the gospel. It's being willing to do that. That's what a generous person does. You see, a generous person says this. If there is a genuine need, okay, and I have the ability and the opportunity to help meet that need, I'm going to do it. That's what a generous that's where a generous person lives. Now, can a generous person always give? If we're talking, if we're talking about money, a generous person may not always be able to give, but ready and willing to give. Does that make sense? And usually there is something we can give to help, even if it is just to pray, right? We give our heart, our energy, our prayers, our time, our abilities, our possessions, as well as our money. Well, let's move down to verse number 12. He says, For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, and not according to what he does not have. So God does not expect you to give what you don't have. Well, you say, well, kind of, duh. 
But have you ever been pressured in life, whether it was with a church with giving or an organization or an individual, where you were felt like you were kind of being pressured to give when you really didn't have it to give? Have you ever experienced that? That's not God's expectation. Very clear. He expects us to be generous with what we have, not worried about what we don't have. Verse 13, for I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. I'm not trying to put this all on you, the Corinthians. Do we have a responsibility to try to reach the world with the gospel? I have the responsibility, you have the responsibility, and we together have this responsibility. That part of us, we what? We surrender and grow, but we tell others. We tell others ourselves, and we tell others together. We tell others through missionaries. We support. We're trying to vision 2028. You know, our communities, the the greater Worcester area, making sure that everybody has a a genuine opportunity to come into a relationship with the Lord. So is it all on us? What do you think? I'm not asking you a trick question. No, we, I think we own the responsibility for trying to, to go for it. But it's not all on us. You know, there are churches around our country that, that believe the same things you and I do as our church does. And, and, you know, we would feel very much at home there. They would feel very much at home with us. And they have a whole lot more money than we do. So is it all on us financially? No, it's all on us to do what? What we can. Now, our tendency is to say, to excuse ourselves from being generous people because, well, that's all I can do. You've missed the point. No, we need to do all that we can. But there are churches that have a lot more money. There are churches, the same kind of churches as us, who would we'd feel very comfortable, they feel comfortable here, but who have much less money than we do. Not all on them either, is it right? See? So it's about us all doing what we can. And again, it's not just money. There are many other things that we can give and be generous with these things. So understand this. The generous Christians want to give generously. We saw that last week. We talked about it. If you are a generous follower of Christ, you will want to give generously. You may not be able to give much money, but you can always give generously because poverty doesn't prevent generosity, right? The amount of money you have doesn't determine your generosity. So what's going on in your heart if you're doing what you can. And so notice here again verse 11, or verse 12. For if there's first a willing mind... You know, if, if someone is truly generous, as I said, it doesn't matter how much money they have. If you're truly generous, it doesn't matter how much money you have. And I can assure you, you will give generously out of whatever you have because you're a generous person. If someone is not a generous person, it also doesn't matter how much money they have because they will not give generously, right? So this is why we say we want to let our hearts be moved by the Lord. We want to become like, grow to be like the Lord. Be generous people. This ought to be a mark of Christianity. And then we see here, as we've looked at, you know, okay, you know, it's what you have, not what you don't have. We're not trying to put the burden on all these people or this people. Uh, let's, let's read verse 13. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. No, but by inequality. Now at this time, your abundance may supply their lack. And he doesn't say this, but I think that is that it, there may be some point when their abundance may supply your lack. In fact, that already did. There was a time when the Corinthians didn't know Jesus. There was a time when they didn't know the gospel. And 
in Israel, Jerusalem and Israel, there were thousands of people who knew the gospel and his lives have been gloriously changed by it. They had an abundance of the gospel and the Corinthians didn't. And so God uses them and this whole process and what happens? Their abundance then supplies the need for the gospel for the Corinthians. And of course now the Corinthians have an opportunity their abundance financially to help others. So, you know, there have been times in my life when I was very much on the receiving end of people's generosity and needed to be. And then there's been probably much more times in my life now where it's the other way around. So, here's the idea. God's plan is for generous people to give what they can. That's his plan. Well, how much do I have to give? Well, just be generous. Are you, you know, be a generous person. Take it up with God and then give what you think he wants you to give. Give generously. And when God, you know, God's people do this, and by the way, this doesn't negate, this whole idea of give what you can doesn't negate giving by faith. It doesn't. Because here's the thing, I can look at my bank account and, and there's a need. Let's say there's someone in the church who has a need that we're aware of and we want to help. Or, or there's a missionary that I feel burdened to help. Or, or just whatever, right? And I look at my bank account and I go, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen here or there. And, and I have this money, but I, I kind of thinking, but I just can't get rid of this sense from God that I need to give it. And by faith, you give it. You're still giving out of what you have. You're still giving out of what you have control of. Okay? And, and most of the time, if you've sought God and he's helped you to set up a budget, you've worked together in wisdom, most of the time, that money needs to go there and be for that. Okay? Unless God shows you otherwise and he's going to go there. But so it doesn't negate giving by faith, but it is the reality of saying, yeah, you know what? I do have, uh, see, I do have this money. What does God want me to do with it? You see? And that's God's plan, is that generous people give what they can. And that doesn't mean we don't learn to give by faith. We still do. You know, sometimes God gives, provides a generous person with more money. Why? Because he knows the generous person is going to use it. God has plans. And he said, so I'm, I'm going to give Pastor Dave some extra money here because I know Dave will be generous with it. He'll, you know, give it the way that I, I will lead him to do it. Sometimes God leads generous people to financially very tight places. Why? Well, to teach them to trust God, right? To grow in their faith. It doesn't change them to be generous. They grow in their faith. And so sometimes we have greater ability to give than other times I talk about. It, it doesn't matter, though, because... God's plans will meet the needs. If we have a church full of generous people, the needs of the church will be met. God's plan. Um, and so here's, here's the deal. When everyone is generous with what they have, the needs get met. That's it, okay? Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. That's what he's saying here. The needs get met. Different ways, different times, but they get met. So let's go now to verse 10 and 11. We want to see the second of these Macedonian principles. He says, and in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it. That is, there was a readiness to desire it, 
so there also may be a completion out of what you have. Okay, so you want, you said a year ago you wanted to do this. It seemed like you had the desire to do this. You need to actually do it. Now you need to complete this. Because if they don't complete it, they aren't showing generosity, are they? It's easy to say, oh, I feel so bad about that need. And oh man, I'd like to give to that need. And then just kind of fade away, right? Never give. And they say, no, no, don't do that. Be generous. Generosity includes beginning to end because genuine generosity produces generous giving. But here's what I want you to see. Verse 10 again. In this I give advice. It is to your advantage. Okay, it's to your advantage. It's to your benefit. Not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago. So he said, it's to your advantage, it was to your benefit that, that you saw the need and, and you had a desire to give. And you said, I'm going to give. He said, that's, that's good. That is a, a, it's to your advantage that you did that. It's to your advantage that you, or to your benefit that you did that. But then it's also now to your advantage to complete it. It's to your advantage or to your benefit to give it. Okay? So I want you to see this, that this whole idea of when you first saw her the need, you have a desire, you said you were going to give, and, and then you actually act on it and make the gift as a generous person. All of that happens right up until that, that giving. All this happens before you have well, actually completed when you give it. But all of this happens before the gift ever makes it to anybody. You get that, right? All of these things happen before the gift ever benefits anybody else. But before it benefits anybody else, Paul's saying what? It's already benefited you. Okay? And so principle number two, the principle of the first blessing, that's that you are always the first person to benefit from your generosity. You are always the first one to benefit. And if you give, and then you never even see what the results are, and you don't know what the results are, you have still benefited from giving generously. Now think about this. Would you like your heart to be more in line with the Lord's heart? Would you like your desires to, to more closely match the Lord's desires in your life? Would you like how you view the world to become more and more marked by godly wisdom? Would you like your life to be you know, more moved by faith that you're really learning to trust God? You, would, would you like to have a confidence? This I'm really confident that I'm doing what God wants me to do. Would you like that confidence? Do you? All of these kinds of things. I want you to understand this process of being a generous giver and thinking about this. Oh, wow, I see a need. I desire to meet that need. Oh, God, what do you want me to do to meet this need? And, and then doing what you need to do to meet that need, whether it's, it's giving your money or it's giving your time to something or, or bringing your abilities to bear on that or maybe your resources. Hey, listen, I can drive somebody someplace. I got a car, whatever. When you engage in this process, what happens is that your heart begins to align more closely with the heart of God. 
If nothing else, because you're taking your treasures and putting it in God's hands. And where your treasure is, your heart will be, your desires begin to more closely match the Lord. You begin to trust God more because you're following his leading with your money. And, and you can have a confidence. I am doing what God has shown me to do. I am doing God's will here. And multiple more things. And this all happens before anyone receives the gift. This all happens before an offering touches the offering plate or the button on the computer is pushed to give it. This all happens before the person in need that you want to help receives the gift. This all happens before the missionary gets the gift and preaches the gospel. And it all happens before that. What a cool thing that God has done for us. Calls us to be generous and then says, you're going to benefit first from your generosity. It's a big thing to think about it. Let me say this to you. Years ago, uh, I think it was Glenda first, God put it on her heart, and we talked about it, prayed about it, and then I came, we were in agreement on it. And that's that we began trying to squirrel away a little money here and there. This is back when we didn't have a lot of extra money. We had you know, enough to get by. And, but as we started squirreling away some dollars here and there, the goal is we wanted to save an entire paycheck. Okay, so that we could give it away to whatever God led us to. And so it took quite a bit of time. We got there, finally got it, and we had it for a while. We didn't know what to do with it. Then one day a situation came into our lives, and, and we were aware of it, and we talked, and a family that was in need, and we talked with them, and we prayed about it, and all this kind of stuff, and we gave them that gift. Now, when you give a gift like that, do you, do you like to see positive results? Right? Don't we want to see, wow, this made a difference? Sure we do. All that kind of stuff. Well, i got to tell you, to be honest, I, I feel like I, we, we never saw any positive results from it. All that stuff you would have hoped to see, we never saw. But guess what? We benefited from giving it. Right? Because we were the first to benefit. Whether, whatever happens, that's God's business, see? Because once I give it, I'm giving it maybe to you, but I'm really giving it to God, right? God, here I go. This is what you want me to do. I'm being generous. And he takes it and he uses it however he sees fit. And the reality is, we can talk about you know, looking at this by sight. And by the way, this family isn't here, so don't be trying to figure that out. We're looking at it by sight, you know, saying, ah, oh, you know. But the problem is God works in ways and places we never see or know or understand. And we have no idea what the ripple effects from that might have been. But what I would say to you is, I don't have to know. All I have to know is that God put it in our hearts to try to squirrel away some of that money so we could do this. And then he led us to do it. And we have benefited. We Benefit now from how it changed us as we went through this whole process, and we benefit eternally because we have treasures in heaven because of it. You understand what I'm saying? And don't hear me saying, oh, I'm always a generous person. I'm not. I'm trying to be. Okay? But God is faithful. He will always bless us for us. And so last week, the first of these principles, the principle of the first gift, give yourself first to God. 
And the second principle here today is the principle of first blessing. You are always the first person to benefit from your generosity. God is so good to us in these ways. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Before we pray, just keep your heads bowed here. Just I would say to you that if you're here today, and back when I talked about Jesus coming to the earth and dying for your sins, if you haven't ever really settled this issue in your life, can I encourage you just right now, right now in this very moment, in your own heart and mind, silence, say to God, oh God, that's, that's me, I believe. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. I put my faith in you to do that. Just right now, just do that. Don't wait. Father, I thank you for your word and your generosity shown to us in so many ways, probably beyond what we even understand. Thank you for that. Thank you for sending your son to be our savior. I pray if anyone just a moment ago, Lord, engaged with you and said, that's me, I receive Jesus as savior. I pray, Lord, that you will move them to let us know so we can help them grow in their understanding of it. Um, I pray for all of us here today, Father, that, and I know if, if we believe as Lord, deep down in this, if nowhere else, there's this generous spirit. I pray, Lord, we will learn to think that way and to live that way and be generous people, people who are like Jesus, like your son. Stir us, challenge us, encourage us, Lord, each of us, whatever needs to happen in our lives here today. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Go out and live generous lives.